Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're in Cody, Wyoming with Jesse Renfers of Cody Coffee Roaster. From a professional loser to a stay-at-home dad turned coffee roaster, Jesse is sharing about his journey and how he has grown his company from a side hustle to an international success. From turning an older service station into the ultimate Cody coffee shop to opening two locations in one month, to his unique experience working his way up in the restaurant industry, this episode is packed with value and I know you're gonna love it. So here we go with Jesse Renfers. Well, we're here today in Cody, Wyoming with Jesse Renfers of Cody Coffee Roaster. Jesse, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Are you from Cody? Not from Cody originally. We've been here for, I believe, going on eight years now. Uh, Originally from Upper Michigan, small little town up on Lake Superior, outside of Marquette. And yeah, we moved out here about eight years ago. My wife took a job at a pharmaceutical company here. So I was here as a stay-at-home dad to start things out. Wow. So I have to ask, I heard that you were a loser on the Olympic team, is that right? Well, I didn't quite make the Olympic team, but I was on the national team for, I believe, eight years. Okay, So I kept trying and trying, but eventually I had to say, okay, I can't do this the rest of my life. So, But it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, It really kept the winners exciting, to say the least. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a fun part of your past. Yeah, exactly. So you got to Cody, your stay-at-home dad. Had you always had an interest in coffee? A little bit. You know, um, back in, we lived in Park City, Utah while I was losing um, for about 10 years. And I was always, I had a little coffee and crepe shop at the Canyon Ski Area. And my roaster would come in from Park City Roasters and drop off my, his beans for me that day. And he'd go skiing all day. And I'm like, I've got this so backwards. <laughs> so when we came out here, I was kind of curious about coffee roasting. So I bought myself a tiny little peanut roaster. And I started doing one pound at a time out of an electric peanut roaster that would take you know, up to an hour to roast these beans. So nothing, nothing right about it, but they tasted all right. So little by little, we, we kept graduating, going to a bigger roaster and a bigger roaster. And now we're all the way neck deep where we are. <laughs> no kidding. Wow. So you didn't really come here with the plan of doing coffee roasting, but did you see a need? Is that kind of what... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's a lot of coffee shops here in Cody. So looking around, I was seeing that a lot of the coffee was not being roasted anywhere locally. So I kind of dove into that a little bit. And then, yeah, there was definitely the need. So originally what we started with is uh, on Facebook, we have a Cody Classifieds little group. And I would offer free samples in a jar. And I'd bring a little sample of coffee to the doorstep. And if they liked them, there was a thing inside. They could order more. And then my sons and I would roast it, bag it, stick it in my little trailer on my bike and deliver it by, by bike right to the door and kind of little by little, it kept growing and growing. And then, yeah. So at some point you're like, I can't do this all by bike, huh? That's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, especially in the summertime around here, we've got a lot of RVs with first time drivers and oh, uh, risking my entire family <laughs> on a bike for three. I thought, well, we better start doing this a little bit differently. So that's when we kind of checked out the, the original location out at Choice Aviation. It's our old airport there and took and kind of renovated that a little bit and started off slowly there. But uh, it was a snowball effect. Little by little, people were enjoying the the coffee and really appreciating the freshness of it. And yeah, snowball was right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, your location at the airport, you made it more than just coffee. You actually offer sandwiches and crepes. Crepes, And yeah. yeah. 
So tell us about how did you decide what you wanted to offer besides just coffee on the menu? Sure, absolutely. Basically, I stole my idea that I was using in Park City, Utah. And the reason that I stumbled across crepes, well, a great friend of mine uh, had the great idea. But uh, we had a hotel above us, so we couldn't put a hood vent in. So I was trying to find some kind of food item that I could offer with coffee that wouldn't require a hood. So we played with the crepe idea. It was something nice and quick and easy. They could get a crepe, go on the gondola, eat it on the way up, and ski all day. Um, and then when we moved out here, I knew that I had to couple the coffee with some kind of food. And the nice thing about crepes is it's, it's fun to watch. You know, So when you walk into any of our shops, it's all on display. You can watch us make your food right in front of you, and it's always kind of neat to watch the first few times. Yeah, I love that idea. So once the first location started to take off, how did you decide how you wanted to expand from there? Sure, and that was a really difficult uh, decision to make. A lot of times I kept trying to tell myself that I just wanted one. I just wanted one. I've done multiple restaurants in the past, and it's a lot okay. of work, and I understand what it takes. So I was trying to stay away from that, uh, especially I have two boys that are 11 and 8, so trying to dance around that and also coach all their sports. So <laughs> trying to find time for it all. Um, but the nice thing with the coffee situation is we close that too, so I got time for that. Um, but yeah, I was circling the wagons and we had a great local following and everybody really wanted something downtown. Uh, our original location is about two to three miles outside of town and we had a great following coming out there, but, uh, convenience, the people still wanted something downtown and I wanted to capture some of that tourist traffic as well, that I wasn't driving out to our remote location. So, uh, we, we stumbled across a developer actually had bought in the building and came to me with the idea and I said, yes, we can make that work. So painstakingly the uh the, the build out took about four or five times longer and just about as much just the same amount of money as well but now we're <laughs> up and running we finally opened up here in april and it's been gangbusters ever since wow so tell us about the building and some of the history and how you kind of played into that absolutely it's an old service station an old conical building that's been built i believe in the late 1930s and it's been re renovated a couple of times but we took it all the way back down to the bones and then built it back out, and we call it the station, and we kind of utilize it almost as a gas station. We have a roll-up garage door, a huge fire pit underneath the um, awning, so you can kind of see it from the road, and it kind of ties into that Yellow, Yellowstone experience as well. We kind of keep that old garage feel to it, but again, open kitchen, four crepe irons, two espresso machines, really built for power and, and uh, efficiencies. That's great. One of the things I noticed when we went to get coffee this morning is you have mugs hanging up. So tell us about that. That's a fun idea. Absolutely. I stole this idea from my friends at Black Rocks Brewery in Upper Michigan, actually. Um, they do a 22-ounce mug, and you get a pint price. Well, our deal is you buy one of our locally made mugs for $40, and you get half-price drinks at that location for the rest of your life. So we've got over almost 600 mugs, I believe, at this point. So Pretty good deal. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was also impressed that you keep your prices really affordable. I was, when she told me that my Americano, large Americano, was under $3, I was like, wow, that's, so was that an intentional choice, I'm sure? I think so. I think, you know, uh, being rural where we are, you know, we really don't want to gouge. These are our friends. These are our, you know, our local family, I guess. And we don't want to take advantage. We'd love to see them on a daily basis instead. So I'd rather keep everything affordable, see them more often and, hopefully make it all work in the end. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you mentioned that you have been in the restaurant business in the past. So tell us a little bit about your background in that and how that really kind of helped set you up for success this time around. Absolutely. I think uh, I grew up in the grocery business. My in-laws had a grocery store, so I kind of did that when we moved to Park City to uh, pursue those, those loose dreams. 
I stumbled across a gentleman by the name of Bill White, and he has a little restaurant group there. And at the time, I think he had three restaurants when we first met. So I started out for him as a busser and moved my way out. And then at the end, I was kind of overseeing with him the, at the time, seven restaurants. So he had three fine dining and, you know, cafes and bakeries. And <clears throat> in order to kind of work under him, he had me work in every one of those positions for two weeks at a time and write out essays of how I'd make things better. So he really did teach me a whole lot about the business and about the ins and outs of the business, that if I didn't have that experience going into something as simple as coffee, sometimes I think, you know, people overlook that. There's a lot of, a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes in restaurants, and there's, it's an operation of very thin margins. So you really have to focus on numbers, focus on labor, focus on the business. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people do go out for a great glass of wine, have an amazing experience, and then decide that they're going to open a, a wine shop or something like that. And, don't really think it all the way through. And I think that's what we kind of run up against in this business a lot. People kind of thinking that it's a fun place to hang out, but there's a whole lot of work involved. And I think I learned that the hard way early so that at least now I'm not so blindsided. That's great. And what a cool idea for him to get feedback through your eyes too. Yeah, it was neat. It was a, at the time when he told me I had to go, you know, after being a manager to go start in the dish pit with one for two weeks, I was like, oh, I wish this hurts. Okay. <laughs> but I, you know, looking back, it was definitely a great decision, you know, a good learning experience for me. Did he take your suggestions? He did a lot of them actually. And yeah, we had a really good relationship and, and it worked out really well. Learned a lot from the guy. I love that. That's a cool way to approach it. So now you have all this going on here in Cody, but you're also shipping out coffee across the nation. Yeah, across the nation. We just uh, we have an opportunity as well over in Asia now, believe it or not. Oh, wow. So here in our rural community, again, we uh, here in Wyoming, the state of Wyoming does a really good job of trying to get us out and trying to push Wyoming products. So there's a gentleman by the name of Chester Chu, uh, who's actually based out of Taiwan, who's pushing a few of our Wyoming products, uh, gluten-free oats, Wyoming beef, and Cody Coffee. So he's trying to open up some accounts right now. One of them is with a high-end steakhouse, um, house, houses, I should say, and then also trying to get into 7-Elevens over there. So we'll see what happens. That's very exciting. Have you gotten to do any fun collaborations yeah, a little bit here and there. We've been trying uh, a lot of our Wyoming people as well. You know, Dima Shovels, they do a fantastic job. So we kind of worked with each other a little bit. Uh, definitely here locally, we do a lot um, with each other. Sunlight Sports, we do some co-branding. We do a lot of co-branding with other ranches here in town too. So that's a, a great way that we can all kind of help each other, make sure that we're all, you know, moving upward. What has the response been from the locals? Well, the locals have been fantastic. I mean, I cannot believe how they welcomed us with open arms the way they did. Um, here in Cody, if you're willing to put your nose to the grindstone and just work and work hard and take care of people and do the right thing, they're going to welcome you with open arms. And <clears throat> we've really felt that. We try to put our nose down. We try to give to just about everybody in any way we can. And uh, it really pays off. I mean, they've really come out in drones. I mean, just the fact that we have 600 Mug Club members here in our small little town of 9,000 people, it's fantastic. So, yeah, they've, they've definitely been very helpful. What do you love about this community most? The sense of family. I mean, everywhere you go, I feel like I said, I've got two boys that are 11 and eight years old, and it's nice to know that even if my eyes aren't on them, somebody else's are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what advice would you have for somebody who maybe has a dream or is in a town and they see that there's an opportunity and they want to explore that a little more? What advice would you give them? Absolutely. And I get asked it quite often, but I really think to, to look at our local resources. 
you know, you have your SBA <clears throat> here in Wyoming. We have the Wyoming Business Council that's been excellent as well. Uh, there's a lot of local resources willing to help you out. Utilize those, so those resources because not a lot of people do. Um, research is everything. Podcasts are fantastic. I passively listen to podcasts just about all day long. Um, and just be ready to work. I mean, you're going to have to put your nose down to the grindstone. And you're going to work really hard for the first few years. And I haven't let up yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's part of the work. I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to become better. It's going to take something. And nothing is given to us. We're going to have to get out and earn it. Yeah. What role does your family play in all of this? Uh, more and more, actually. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting because as this beast has grown, um, over the last few years, I'd have my sons in there help me bag coffee, grinding coffee and little small jobs. But now my 11-year-old is actually pulling shots of espresso and my wife takes care of all of my back-end stuff, all my payroll and all my payables. So that's kind of nice to kind of keep that in nice and close too. So we communicate on it quite often, sometimes probably too often. <laughs> <laughs> but what a neat opportunity for them to get to see how you have built this thing and get to be a part of that. Absolutely. And I think that they're, they're seeing that work ethic, you know, and I really want to instill that in my kids. I mean, that's so important these days is try to find people that are willing to work and work hard. Yeah. Well, what's next for Cody Coffee Company? Oh, that's a big question, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think right now we want to expand our bean sales, you know, and try to push our bean sales and make sure that we ship nationwide, like you said. And that's working out really well. I think as far as the retail side, we're going to kind of circle the wagons because we did open two locations within a month. So that was a lot right before our season. Wow. <laughs> so now I just kind of want to make sure that we're really efficient in those few locations. And then we can look to expand outside too, because... Wyoming could use some more great coffee shops. Yeah. Has it been a learning process, learning how to navigate tourist season and then non-tourist season? Absolutely. I mean, playing that game is is really interesting. And it's something that we played with in Park City a lot. And I think sure. I learned a lot of that there because we really had our two seasons there too. We had a summer season and a winter season. So we had to really focus on shifting gears and how well we shifted gears. Um, again, a business of such thin margins, labor is everything. So if you're overstaffed, you're, you could be losing a lot of money real quick. So <laughs> yeah. you got to be good at making sure that your staff is, you know, matching up with your sales that day. And, and it is kind of a, a bit of a trick, especially this next month. A lot of my great employees are going back to school and college. And, you know, now i got to work a little harder, maybe fill some shifts myself. And But winter's only a few months away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why is it important to get involved in your community? I think just getting involved in your community, I think, is everything, especially for our rural communities, that we make sure that we're not living with the blinders on, that we're trying to help everybody out, making sure that we're not holding our cards close to our vests. I try to work with all the coffee shops here in town as well, offering up, you know, cups when they run out of cups and sleeves when they run out of sleeves or whatever it might be. You know, everybody's here to try to do the same thing. And if we work together, all boats will rise. Um, let's make sure to try to help each other out and keep those dollars local. You know, every time that we're shipping out and bringing something in, those dollars, will, we'll never see them back. Yeah. And I've noticed just looking through your Instagram and stuff, you are intentional about supporting local too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and everything we can, you know, like I said, um, all the different programs, they need volunteers. You know, I sit on three different boards of directors right now. We've got our ski area, our junior hockey program, and our mountain bike program. Um, you know, all these things need volunteers and every time that we can volunteer, even if it's an hour a month, it helps everything move forward. Where do you see more opportunity for Cody? That's a good question. Um, looking at our bedroom communities around Yellowstone, we've, we've talked a lot about this this summer, of how other places are doing a, a better job sometimes in customer service. 
I think that we all are working towards the same business and same tourists. How do we do a better job of taking care of those people so they definitely want to come back to Cody on the next trip? I think that's what we could do a little bit better at um, and focusing on being more customer-centric, I guess. And as far as the tourists go, you know, we only see them for three to four months out of the year, and it's a small piece of our business. However, if we don't take care of those tourists, I mean, if we lose tourism here in Cody, we could be in big trouble. Um, as it is, this has been an oil town. It's been, you know, boom and bust. And we're kind of experiencing some of that right now. So we're trying to figure out how we can bring in more business that's not so tourism-based. But while we have the tourism, we've got to make sure to focus on them and make sure that we are taking care of those customers so that this is a destination and we keep it as a destination and make Buffalo Bill proud. That's right, yeah. And you're really at this prime location because people coming to visit Yellowstone, anyone coming from the east side, really goes through Cody. Mm-hmm. So... It's a very unique situation, that's for sure. And it's, you know, how do you, how do you take advantage of that? And how do you work again with the other bedroom communities? How do we talk to, the, work with the people in Buffalo, Rapid City? Who's coming this direction? How do we make sure to continually dangle the carrot for the next community? Yeah. Make sure to set them up. And same thing going back the other way. Yeah, that's cool. I there were motorcycles in town last night, and Sturgis is next week. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was neat that they came here first. Yeah, it's amazing. And the Bertus, you know, that's a nice destination. I think they have that rally right before Sturgis, or is it right after? So it's kind of neat oh, that cool. they kind of, you know, tie to that a little bit, and it brings a lot of great business. Those people come and enjoy themselves. They all go to the museum, the rodeo, and all of our establishments. So keep sprinkling those dollars. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Anything else? No, I think it's uh, it's amazing. You know, living in these small communities, this is what we really cherish. This is something that we really strove to find or really made sure to try to find a small community. Uh, my wife working in pharmaceuticals is usually hard to find a pharmaceutical company in a small town. So when we passed on Chicago, Milwaukee, and Madison, we were excited when we found Wyoming. Yeah, it's beautiful here. It is. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I mean, this has been been excellent. Yeah, I love what you have going on. So we can't wait to keep following along. And on that note, where do we follow along? And where can people order your coffee? Absolutely. So we are CodyCoffee.com. And then you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Great. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Well, I love Jesse's heart for community over competition and his perspective on what it's like doing business and living in a tourist town and how that plays into everything he does. He has definitely created a great experience for his customers, and I had so much fun visiting the different locations around Cody. So get to planning your trip to Cody Yellowstone and be sure to make Cody Coffee a stop along the way. Huge thanks to Jesse for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.